Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. With me today, I have Sam Noir and Andrew. You know what, Andrew? I'm going to butcher your name. I apologize. Um, Andrew Dorlin. Sorry, Andrew. And uh, they are the creators behind this really awesome uh, comic called Belly Skillin. Um, it's kind of an augmented VR comic that you could either read as a normal comic or download their kind of their app, and uh, it turns into augmented reality. And it was just a really cool um, time talking to them and seeing how they came up with this idea and how they work. And um, it was just a really awesome time, and I can't wait for everyone to listen to this podcast. Besides that, as always, um, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel and leave us a review. It's something that uh, we really appreciate here at the podcast. And if you'd like a free comic, um, issue one of my hit indie series, Man of Sin, you go to aguildy.com forward slash free comic. Enjoy the episode. All right, here we go. Um, all right, guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I have uh, two uh, guests I can't really wait to talk to. They're doing something really amazing and awesome and unique in uh, the comics realm. Uh, I am with Sam Noir and Andrew Dorlin. Guys, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, so uh, the comic that was actually, as uh, as we record this, just finished up the Kickstarter. Did you guys finish up today? Uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, last yeah. night. Okay, uh, successful Kickstarter, uh, if I'm correct. Last I checked, right? You guys were... Yeah, yeah, no, we, yeah, we did well. We're just shy of doubling our... We're almost at... We're 70... Almost 7,500 Canadian. Nice. I guess. That's, a, that's, a, that's a great... Uh, and it was for a single issue, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, first of a four-issue miniseries. Yeah, so uh, uh, Bally Skillen um, is this... Uh, it's about Irish folk, folk tales, right? Am I, am I right on that one? Yeah, so like essentially, uh, I grew up in. Well, we have my family has an old house. My great grandma had all these old Irish books and mythology and stuff in the house. So when I was growing up, I'd pick them off the shelf and flip through them. And that's kind of where that seed got planted in my mind. And then I was working in Ireland doing storyboards, and I was like, then I was really able to live in there and was able to lock down a lot more of the story core ideas. Yeah, the the artwork I've seen in it is absolutely uh, uh, beautiful, man. Andrew, you did a, a yeah, great job. You. I love the uh, the storytelling. I kind of love that, like the collage thing you do with the pages, where it's not really panels. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like one scene flows into other. Definitely the the um, the atmosphere and the tone definitely fit kind of that fairy tale vibe. So that was just it was really awesome to read and uh, take a look at. And Sam, I I, I really love the kind of the what you showed me the. Um, kind of the twist ending there at the end with the with the woman i don't want to reveal oh, too yeah. much this but is, yeah this is the uh, eight page short that yes. uh, is going to be a bonus all our backers are getting this uh bonus story yeah and it was it was really uh it was really awesome uh to read but what really kind of um stuck out to me and i'd love to talk to you guys about it was this augmented reality like version thing going <laughs> yeah. on like uh, I'm not going to do it justice to try to explain it. So can you guys kind of let everyone know kind of what's going on with this augmented re- reality? Where did it come from? And like, what's, what's it all about? Cause I think sure. it's really cool and taking comics in a completely different and new direction. Yeah. Like, so uh, even before, like to start off, we had the, the, the whole script, like Sam wrote the rest of the script and then we already had it set up before we even started incorporating all the AR stuff. 
and it was really important for us to make it that we you can enjoy the comic without the AR. So you don't need the, the AR. But then I was like, um, just by chance, because I do storyboards on the, as my kind of main job outside of comics. And then on top of that, I was messing around with Blender a lot. It's a 3D software. So then I started just light switched on my head that I could actually do um, 24 frames per second, like hand-drawn animation using Blender and then use that with your phone. So if anyone's seen motion comics or any other AR, this is way different than that because this is actually like I'm turning the comic into a full-on cartoon. It's not just like blinking lights and little stuff moving around. This is a movie starts playing when you hold up the phone as opposed to uh, anything else. And we're adding even extra cool little features like we're adding um, now because we went past the stretch goal. So we have uh, now when you play... And you hold up the AR and there's like monsters or whoever else is on the screen. If you hit like the monster manual button, then it pops up on this on the thing you can flip through and it'll give you all the backstory for all the different creatures that'll sneak in the background. So if you just want to like dive deeper into the world of Valley Skill and Irish mythology stuff, then it just opens up the whole thing even bigger than just the comic. Yeah, that's uh that sounds absolutely just first off, like a huge undertaking, but it's also yeah. really <laughs> It was really cool. Um, I when I was messing around with it, um, it was it was something that seemed like oh this this seems like the logical next step, mm-hmm. like somewhere else we could go that no one's ever really like tried. Like I, I've seen kind of gimmicky versions of it where yeah. it, it's not as it, it really felt. And I think the way you you um, you described it, it felt like a motion, like almost like a, a little mini movie on each panel, and that mm-hmm. was really cool. And it was really really important to us because we've seen what's sort of been out there. I know Marvel had their attempts a few years ago. Uh, Motion comics have been a thing since, I guess, uh, CD-ROMs. But uh, we wanted something beyond novelty, you know, something beyond a little bit of motion, a little bit of uh, sound effects. We wanted the story integrated. It's story first at at all times, which drives all the decisions in terms of uh, how we handle the AR. Yeah, and it was, uh, I thought it was really well done. So how, like, as far as, like, production-wise, how much more time did you guys have to put into this? Because um, obviously you had to get all the, uh, you know, Sam, you had to write everything. Then Andrew, you had to draw everything. And then how does this kind of next AR component kind of complicate this kind of collaboration? Or does it, like, that, make it even better? Like, how does that work? Cause, that, you know, as someone all... who's just, yeah, as someone who's just a writer, I'm like, oh, man, this is, like, a whole other level to the to the puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, that that's all Andrew to to start with, but because uh, because he as as a storyboard artist and uh, he's also done animatics and stuff, uh, he really brings that skill set uh, to the table and even has some programming ability. Uh, uh, he was the one who uh, built the app as well. So uh, yeah, all all credit for for uh, this innovation goes to Andrew and all the hard work as well. Yeah, it's pretty much like um, it pretty much doubles the time. It's not as crazy. Well, it depends on how crazy I want to get with it. So we had like a thing on the Kickstarter. Every $500 we went above, and I, I would add more animation. That's essentially how we worked it. So I think we're up to like 14 of the pages. Well, for sure. I'm going to have something on every page, but then like 14 pages will be amazing, amazing, essentially. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fun. Like now when I lay out a page... I kind of have that in the back of my head, like, well, what can I do cool with the animation? And like, 
it was like when the sample page is like just fun stuff i want to like break borders and like combine panels and make panels shift around and like do cool comic-y stuff that you can you know like kind of there's like all these cool possibilities like even we're starting to mess around with stuff like if the camera angles one way and like the story is being told by someone then you hold the arrow and you can like flip you know flip the perspective and you're like oh like that's happening behind them at the same time. You you wouldn't have known. You don't have to know it, but like maybe there's something cool going on, you know? So it's like all this cool little secret stuff you can hide in there. And it really like blows up all the stuff. But I love like eighties animation and like, all and manga and stuff. So like just being able to add that on top of it's like super fun for me. So yeah. Yeah. It is I, a lot of, yeah. Even from a story and character point of view, this is, this is fascinating, especially sort of talking back and forth about what's possible. Uh, the premise of Ballyskillen is that uh, this is a community of uh, fairy folk, uh, magical folklore creatures that uh, kind of hide in plain sight. They're, they're, uh, uh, there's an enchantment over the village. Uh, where they live amongst humanity. And the beautiful thing about uh, the AR, for example, is we sort of uh, brainstorm this idea that these would be, uh, the AR would kind of be uh, uh, in some, some scenes like the glasses in the movie They Live. Do you know that movie with Rowdy Roddy Piper where yeah. you put on these glasses and then you see through uh, the alien's disguise. So in, in this case, uh, yeah, you can go back to the story after you've sort of uh, read the comic and have a look and suddenly, you know, what look like normal characters in the scene, uh, you can see which ones in, in the bar, in the, the crowded pub scene are uh, fairies. That is, uh, you know, just listening to you guys talk about, uh, you know, um, what you guys could do from a story uh, perspective, Sam, and, and from the artist's perspective and the storytelling that you guys both do t- together collaboratively. Like, I could just, like, sit there and just imagine the the realms of possibility and, like, just how creative you guys could get. Really, it's just how creative you, can you guys get, yeah. get with it. And it's uh, it, it sounds absolutely uh, amazing. And, like, I can't wait to see kind of what comes out of this because it's, like, one of those things where I could see this really taking off in a bunch of different directions. Now, are you guys um, are you guys planning to do more? I know you said that uh, it was a four issues uh, miniseries, but are you guys going to kind of uh, expand this into other comics you guys might be doing, or where like where is this? Is this only going to live in Valley Skillin? Kind of what's your your kind of do you guys have like a master plan or where you guys want to go with this? We we have like we have the four issue miniseries, and we have one extra issue already planned out for Valley Skillin that Sam has already wrote. So we will have five issues. And as far as the AR goes, this is kind of like the pilot test project. So if it works out really well and everyone loves it, then then we might integrate it with other stuff. But for now, I think like it's gonna it's living in the belly skill and world, I guess for for the time being. But yeah, yeah we'll, this see, is, we'll see what happens. This is just a good opportunity to to test it out. Essentially, where uh, our plans are to uh, serialize over the course of the next year and build on this and see what kind of possibilities are there. And uh, we've already kind of got a lot of germs in our, our discussions about uh, other Ballyskillen stories. So again, it's, it's uh, we'll see how the next year goes and how this, we, once we get past uh, this first storyline, uh, yeah, there's potentially, we're, we're building a world uh, and a story engine 
with the premise of this hidden fairy community. So uh, the possibilities, especially in terms of uh, uh, jumping back and forth in time or uh, other characters that sort of uh, come on and off the stage are, are uh, quite exciting to me as we discuss it. And actually, I should emphasize that uh, this was a, a premise and a set of characters that uh, Andrew came up with and uh, brought to me when, uh, when, yeah, after he, essentially Andrew came back from uh, Ireland, uh, joined the, the Raid studio in Toronto, where I had just uh, started up and Raid is kind of a, an institution. There's a lot of sort of who's who in the, in the local community, a lot of sort of Marvel, DC image creators, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, and we were there, I think for a few weeks and then COVID happened and we found ourselves in, in lockdown. Uh, the studio was essentially emptied out and it was just sort of uh, me, Andrew, and the studio manager there. And yeah, the eight page story that I sent you uh, is the result of that. We just sort of uh, started chatting and, and decided just to do a short for fun and found there was some real chemistry there. So I'm really happy that uh, Andrew was able to uh, uh, trust me with uh, his pitch and, and the world he's created, his uh, pitch document, his initial storyline. Yeah, uh, so how how was it? Um, so, so Andrew pitched you, Sam, kind of like, here's what's going on. Now, do you normally work like that as a writer? Or do you normally, you know, package your story together and then look for an artist? Like, how was how did that dynamic kind of shift your writing and how you approached it? Um, actually, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, if if we want, if you got a if you got a moment to spare, uh, my own story got all the moments. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, yeah my my own origin as a as a comics creator. I went to uh, Ty Templeton's comic book school. Uh, Ty Templeton's uh, a creator with decades of of history he's worked on uh giffen and, and mcguire or sorry giffen and de Mateus's, uh, justice league back in the day after kevin mcguire got off the title uh he's done uh spider-man most recently he did batman 66 but uh yeah he had a comic he had has a comic book school in in toronto and so i had sort of taken that uh and after taking the courses and then uh there was a studio that was started up by a bunch of people in this class. And Ty, in fact, uh, moved in with us and taught classes from the front room. But uh, in this studio environment, I was originally supposed to draw my own stuff. So uh, in, in, with, with uh, uh, yeah, half dozen studio mates, I just sort of was sitting there working on my own things. And then one studio mate uh, one day was sort of... Uh, uh, toiling, I guess, over his second issue of his comic, and I was sort of, uh, you know, trying to work out the the visuals on on mine. And he just happened to to say how hard writing was for him, and I just sort of uh, was ready to throw down my pencil and and say, you know what, I'm ready to give up art. I, I'm just, you know, not suited for this. And that was like a chocolate peanut butter moment where you know uh, my my uh, friend and studio mate Bryce looks at me and says, "Would you like to write my second issue?" And I took him up on that offer. And then from there, it was sort of almost a domino effect. A lot, I, a lot of friends at uh, Thai school and other studio mates uh, said, hey, can you write my second issue as well? And so, yeah, a lot of it is uh, coming in there 
when the premise is already sort of been set and then uh, trying to trying to figure out where to go from there, trying to figure out the characters, figure out the structure uh, for sort of an existing premise. So, so early on, I think that was the skill set I brought to the table. And uh, even, even to this day, I really, really like to work collaboratively that way. And uh, yeah, often it, it, it really depends. I, before I even write a script uh, often, I like to know who I'm working with and know them and their work like just study their work know what their strengths are uh, know what they love to draw know what their passions are and uh, yeah take it from there in the case of uh, andrew uh scott uh, irish mythology is is his passion as he mentioned he's uh, he grew up with these uh, folk stories and i don't even know i think i actually i was working on uh, my comic kung fu santa which had i guess leprechauns in it and somehow we he had Andrew had just come back from uh, uh, Ireland, so we started talking. And I think, Andrew, is this correct? How we started just a dialogue about Irish mythology? And yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even remember at this point. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, it happened. Magic, yeah. Somewhere magic yeah, but, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's awesome. That, that's really, uh, Sam, that's really kind of fascinating um, getting – other people's kind of premises and uh, mm-hmm. kind of expanding on them and kind of developing further. Like that's like a kind of a really unique kind of take and trait that I think, um, you know, I know for me as a writer, I, I would find it really hard. And I, I think by, by you kind of getting to know the artist's work and what, the, what their strengths are, I think that's definitely helpful, right? Because you're kind of writing towards their strengths, I would, I would imagine, right? Like you're kind of structuring Absolutely. pages and panels uh, for them. Because I know, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm writing, um, you know, I'm writing for my artist's strengths. I actually just did a, a short story that's in a, um, a horror anthology that, anthology that's on kickstarter right now called nightmare theater and i'm actually working with an irish artist her name is uh donna black and i was a big fan of donna's and i was really lucky um to be able to work with her but i specifically wrote the script for her like uh, everything from my the the panels i put together and how i wrote it and and like i knew what she was good at she's really good at this like surreal horror stuff and um, I, I really tailored the page. So I, I, it was kind of really refreshing to hear another writer kind of really dive into um, how important it is to tailor your work to the person you're collaborating with. And I'm sure, Absolutely. Andrew, Andrew, I'm sure that makes your life a whole lot easier. Yeah, yeah, it's much better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, Andrew, what do you, you know, um, obviously you and Sam kind of kicked it off, um, but have you worked with other writers before? And like, what do you look for in a writer? Like, what was it that that Sam had that you were like, yes, I got to work with him? Because I think a lot of writers that are just starting out, um, their hardest thing is finding an artist to draw their stuff. And so like, if you could give them kind of some tips on how to kind of what you would like, and then maybe there are some, some artists out there who are trying to look for a writer and don't know which story, you know, whose story they should tackle. Yeah, like his Funny enough, my, my feedback with me and Sam is completely different because it wouldn't be helpful because it's like we were in the same spot and I were like t- talking naturally and it's like obvious that we got along and thought the same things. So we did do like the eight page story as like a test, I don't know, test or whatever, but it was so easy to do and we already hit it off. So it was pretty easy. But like, um, 
other than that, if you're actually just meeting the writer and being able to talk to them every day, that's the other bonus for us. I can just like do a sketch and run over and be like, Hey, I just drew this. Like, you know, let's do this. So there's lots of bonuses, but, um, and that goes reverse too. The other thing is yeah. I, I felt kind of a little fearless because again, we're in the same space and you know, I already had his outline. So, uh, taking his outline, restructuring it. And then, uh, under normal circumstances, I'd, uh, uh, have a fuller, more final script. But uh, in, in this case, uh, being able to sort of show script excerpts and be right there to chit chat about it over lunch or whatever, when we took a break, that was amazing. Like, yeah, uh, studio mates are, are phenomenal collaborators just because they're there. Yeah. Like as far as like working with other writers and stuff, it is tricky, especially as a like an artist, like if you're picking up, I've done a few like little shorts and different things that I just get hired, you know, like hired gun. I'm just going in blind and getting paid, but like, it's pretty dangerous. Cause a lot of, a lot of times you run into these writers that are like, you know, they do the classic mistakes of like the character runs, then turns and jumps on one panel. I'm like, that's, it's impossible. You can't like that. Now I'm spending all this extra time doing like math. It's like, how am I going to fit all this? It doesn't make any sense, you know. So yeah, artist math. Yeah, that the uh, yeah yeah that that has to be uh, frustrating when when you get get something like that where you're just like I have no idea what this even means. Like, yeah, this, this, this is so weird. Yeah, yeah. This is so, this is my my sorry sorry. Uh, I was just going to interject, but this is sort of my uh, advice to all writers as well. And I got this from uh, Ty Templeton's school, especially as someone who drew their own comics like I sort of try to bring a visual sense to it I I picture it I think of how I would draw it even though I know Andrew's going to draw it completely different as a writer everybody should thumbnail and don't show anyone once you once you're on your way writing your script just just thumbnail just to see if it's possible you know do a stick figure so that you aren't writing a panel that says, you know, he punches him and jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if your stick figure can punch a guy and jump out a window, great. But uh, most times as a, as a writer, you'll see, oh, wait, I have to separate those into two panels. And that I, sounds basic, but uh, I think I can I make that so happen. Flying you punch, do, like uh, flying jump punch <laughs> as like, you know. Across. Now, Speed now we have we have uh, Andrew's next challenge. We're gonna just see yeah. like uh, all these panels of just like uh, fairy guys getting Flying punched through windows. windows yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, that's great advice. I think uh, from from you know from uh, both perspectives and both ends. Um, one thing I, I I just I always love in the comic kind of world and the medium um, is always getting art back. Um, and so because you guys work in the same studio, it, is it the same? Like I always describe it as like Christmas morning and my birthday wrapped into one. <laughs> yeah, um, so like, is it this, is it the same feeling like being like working next, like shoulder to shoulder next to this guy? <laughs> like, how does that well, work? Well, it's a big enough studio, especially during COVID that it wasn't shoulder to shoulder. So often I, I will uh, get it in email. And of course, uh, Andrew, you know, I, 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 I'm busy with something else. So often Andrews will sort of walk over <laughs> to the other yeah. side of the room and kind of say, Hey, uh, I just sent you something. And then yeah. he, I guess, gets to see the look of Christmas morning as I open up the attachment. I think that's sort of the, the gift of being in the same studio, even though, you know, the process of emailing it is the same. Yeah. It's 
It's probably because like I'm coloring it too, so I usually won't send them just the inks. So that's probably it'd be different if I was you know showing them the inks. I could just throw them a page, but yeah. Although we were doing that for a while, because I think I was uh, lettering the the inked pages oh, right, yeah. for, for a while yeah. too. So uh, do you, Sam? Do you do the letters on Bally Skillen, or did you uh, uh, get yeah. a letter? Uh, yeah, no. So uh, uh, part of my my skill set is lettering and in fact uh my advice to every single writer uh why if if you know you have the skill set uh why wouldn't you letter your own stuff it's you know your last opportunity to rewrite yourself and so often uh i take this opportunity to do a complete rewrite uh uh yeah because you look at the art and basically it's like oh in, in, in the case of Andrew, especially, it's like, I can I can throw out so much dialogue because he said it all, you know, visually or alternatively, you know, again, with with uh, other other artists who who, you know, might not have included certain things or made certain things clear. You can uh, rewrite for clarity as well. And also as a as a writer, uh, it allows you to control. It's, it's your one opportunity to uh uh, contribute to leading the reader's eye through the page. Yeah, I, I'm, I actually, I'm a huge I actually, on it. yeah, I just uh, talked to another uh, writer and creator. His name's Mike Shea. He does Miskatonic uh, University, or excuse me, uh, Miskatonic High, not Miskatonic University, Miskatonic High. And uh, he does all of uh, his lettering, and he actually was teaching me for a while. And I was so horrendous at it that I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. Can't do it, man. Uh, but I completely agree with you. I know for me, every time I get the art back, I go through a whole nother kind of rewrite phase before I send it to the letterer. And then even then I might redo it. I, I've tried to letter my own stuff. I just realized it's not for me. Wash my hands of it. But I completely agree with you that if you can do it as a writer, you definitely should. I guess like- e- even if you try it out, uh, this yeah. solves also the whole uh, overwriting. You know, you know exactly how many words will fit in a, any given balloon, right? So, so as, a, as a writer, uh, you'll be a lot more spare rather than trying to cram as much dialogue as possible. Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Uh, I was just going to say, yeah, even if you don't letter it yourself, like even if you just print out some crappy version, you know, and take a marker and like do your own little bubble, just to, like, you know, you get the sense of what's going to work. We actually, yeah. yeah, and what, what needs to go where. And uh, Sam, I, I completely agree, like, uh, it's your, you have the ability to, to help guide the reader's eye and help uh, the reader kind of go on that journey that you guys as storytellers want him to go on. I think it's a, it's a huge uh, advantage if you're able to do that. And then um, it's something that I might tackle again, may, you know, may, maybe, maybe another day down the line when I'm, yeah. you know, when I got some free time, I don't know. Um, My other bit of advice is um, uh, all writers should uh, learn uh, the art of uh, uh, page layout so that they they understand. So even if you're sitting there just doing stick figures, you know, for, for your own benefit, like, yeah, take other people's scripts and uh, try to break it down yourself. And there's no better uh, teacher to, to help you out uh, thinking visually because that's really uh, a really important thing. You're not thinking cinematically 
which is uh, another big issue I hear from, from because I've got a lot of uh, artist friends who, who are working with writers who aren't necessarily trained for comics who write in screenplay format. And, you know, that's all about motion and dialogue, which is sort of in a lot. I, I know a lot of people say like, you know, comics are paper cinema, but in a lot of ways they're, they're, they're not, you know, uh, uh, basically, yeah. Toss out like talk in your screenplay, like toss out most of that dialogue. Cause it's not going to fit. Yeah. That's one. Uh, I, I love that. You said you, you kind of took it something that I've done kind of took it in a different direction. I've never actually storyboard or, or uh, laid out someone else's script, but what I'll do is I'll take kind of a comic I really like or what I think will work. And then I'll script it myself and see like mm-hmm. how I would do it. Uh, um, and a lot of times I find a lot of really interesting kind of moves that the writer was doing, or maybe the artist was doing that the right, the artist kind of did. Um, and I kind of try to look for a script and kind of compare my, like then go look for the script after I'm done scripting it and kind of compare what we did. And a lot of times I'll find like the artist did something that wasn't in the script, which mm-hmm. I think is really cool. Um, and I kind of see kind of how um, my panel descriptions and how the pacing, I, how I did it different to what the original writer did. And so it's a, it's a really interesting uh, exercise and kind of reverse engineering. And it's a wealth out there of, of available scripts too. I'm trying to remember, I, I, I wish we were at the studio right now. I just turn around and pull out my big pile of uh, uh, scripts. I think it, his name's Nat Gettler, I think. And he's got like two volumes of uh, a who's who of comics writers who have sort of contributed uh, scripts that you can just go through and, and see how different, yeah, a who's who of sort of uh, more top tier writers, how they all handle scripts. And they all, yeah, some are very spare. Like uh, you look at an Azarello script and you just look how spare that is, you know, in, in some cases uh, versus say, an Alan Moore script, which is just uh, him almost having a, a conversation. And, and in, in some ways, Neil Gaiman sort of follows in that camp, although again, not in such uh, density. Yeah, there was, um, there was a panel I was at years ago. It had been like maybe 10 years ago now uh, at C2E2, which is the big comic convention here in Chicago. And uh, I believe Marvel was putting it on and they were talking about writing, writing scripts or whatever. And uh, basically, it was um, it was basically the same panel from three different writers. It was like a big fight scene. And the first one they showed Alan Moore, and it was like three pages <laughs> for one panel. <laughs> and then the next one it was I, I forget who the writer is. So the first one was Alan Moore, and it was a fight scene, and it was like you know t- it was literally I want to say three pages, and it was like just Batman punching Joker. Like it was like very very yeah. Although- easy. <laughs> Although I, I think if I'm remembering correctly of, of uh, if, if it's the script I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, he's writing about the psychology rather than the choreography. Like he's like right there in, you know, Batman's head describing his sort of thought process and psychology, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, I believe. It's a very I believe, Alan Moore thing. Yeah, he's you talking know, about like method the method acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, and then there was another, um, writer and I forget which writer it was but it was another fight scene um, and it was maybe a paragraph or, or two much smaller but definitely very wordy and then the last one was Warren Ellis and literally the only words were they engage like then that was it and they're <laughs> like all of these work so like yeah. and basically what it was was you know as the writer it's your job to um, to inspire the artist 
Mm-hmm. And however you're able to do that, that's your job. And everyone has different styles and different ways they do it. You know, you could be as sparse as mm-hmm. um, Azarello, as you said, or uh, Warren Ellis in that one panel, um, or you could be as verbose. I, I don't recommend it um, <laughs> as, as Ellen Moore. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting um, uh, different techniques. And I think that's one, one of the cool things when you're just kind of starting out is kind of finding your voice in that direction mm-hmm. and finding out who you are as a writer. Well, this is the big shame in, in uh, what I call sort of uh, corporate comics uh, in that, well, you know, we, we have studio mates that are, that are Marvel DC uh, artists and essentially they, they don't get to talk to their writer. You know, it's everything sort of done through <laughs> an editor. And for me, it's just such a large part of the process. Cause uh, again, one of the very first things I do, because I prefer full script format, you know, I, I really honestly do, but, you know, it's, it's sort of my visual thinking, but uh, I will run into, especially uh, folks I've collaborated with a long time, and there's almost a telepathy and, and you've learned to trust, uh, a request to move to uh, uh, quote unquote Marvel style where it's uh, plot format. And then, uh, especially guys I went to Ty Templeton school with, we speak the same language. We know, you know, more or less what we're looking for in terms of uh, how to use a panel. You know, the close-up is emotion. The medium is action. The wide is uh, setting in information, setting the scene and in information. So uh, often, you know, I don't need to def- uh, break that down for someone uh, who, went, you know, I went to class with and, and sort of knows intuitively how to do that. Other times, you know, right off the bat, I, uh, there's, there's an artist I, I just started working with who said uh, not only do they want to work uh, a plot style, they want point form style, which again, fascinating in terms of plot point, plot point, dialogue, plot point, you know, it, it's, it's the most sparse script I've ever worked on, but at the same time, it's almost like liberating in terms of stripping it down into the, the basic visuals and then just letting them go wild with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's really one thing I, I do when I, when I start working with um, the artists is I ask them how they want their scripts. Like, how, how do you want me to write uh, my scripts for you? Cause everyone works different. Um, and my Absolutely. first, my first series um Man of Sin, which um, me and the me and the artist, the first two scripts were kind of full script, but we had such a good dialogue back and forth that by scripts three and four, it was basically just Marvel style. I was like, all right, this is what happens. Do your thing. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and really what's, I love that you said it was kind of telepathy. I've talked to a couple other uh, writers and artists about this. Um, it's exactly what I was thinking, but better. And I feel like, <laughs> comics is the only like medium that could do that right it's like a hundred percent what this is exactly what i put on the page and exactly what I, I had in my head but it's a thousand times better than anything i could have imagined and i think that's really the magic um of comics and um i've had that with with all of the um the artists i was i've been able to work with but this my newest series forgotten hymns um the artist is like full script like i want full script I'll, I'll deviate from that if I need to, but I want full script. So I think it's really interesting how different artists like to work as well. And just, how, and as a writer, you got to be able to kind of do what's, you know, be able to uh, adjust on the fly. Yeah, I don't know if I told you, Sam, I did a comic called Scarabs like back I don't know, years ago now, 
but I actually wrote the whole thing and then I just took out all my writing and handed it off to my buddy that did all the dialogue. So it was like kind of like this crazy Marvel, Marvel style, <laughs> I guess, because I already wrote the whole thing. Yeah, but then yeah. he's like, just look at the pages rewriting everything. So it was like super interesting for me to like see what comes back after like I already wrote the dialogue once and then erased <laughs> it all. So it was pretty cool. But yeah. now, now Sam, uh, Andrew, excuse me. Did you, uh, did you draw it first before you gave it to him or was it yeah, just like, a script? No, the whole thing was like done. Yeah. So he could like, he was like looking at the whole book and then just filling in dialogue. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. How did it, how did, uh, how did it come out? Like it had to been, it had to been a lot different than where you thought it was going to go, but um, yeah. probably really cool as well. Yeah. Like I think it's pretty good. Like he actually left a lot of the second half of the book was like actually a lot of my dialogue that I left in there, but some stuff like it's all changed and everything. For the most part, I like it better. Like sometimes you get something back, you're like, oh, I don't know. Like I was like gonna say that, but yeah, it was fun. It was all good. I yeah. I actually did the same thing, and and again, the the yeah. early days when people were sort of coming to me with their second issues, there was actually uh, uh, one studio mate who came to me uh, wanting to me to write the the second issue, but they hadn't dialogued the first issue. And the way I sort of uh, uh, compared it to, I think Giffen and Demetrius on uh, their early justice league, like uh, yeah, Giffen would plot it out. It would go to the artist and then sight un- unseen with the script. Uh, Demetrius would uh, dialogue it and uh, essentially in a lot of cases would change intent. Uh, so it became almost like this, this, jazz that this this creative team was coming up to get coming up with yeah that's 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 really that's really cool i uh yeah i just i love the the creative kind of process and um i kind of i guess that's a great segue so what what has it been like to kind of put together uh your other kind of um i don't know if i want to call it property i don't know what to call it your other project cauldron it's kind of like a anthology magazine type thing with a bunch of different creators and a bunch of um, shorts in it. Like how, how has that been for you, Sam, kind of putting that whole thing together? Um, Cauldron is kind of a fascinating thing. Cause I think the success of us, the success of, of this uh, series uh, kind of snuck up on us. It was essentially like three friends initially getting together and, you know, being a comics creator is, is lonely. You know, you're all sort of working on your own individual books. I, I was between studios at, at the time. I had been working at home. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was kind of in, in a lot of ways a good way out of a, a rut as well in your routine to just sort of go out and, uh, yeah, you're busy with your own projects. You've got, you know, your 20-page 20, 20 comics or whatever, but everyone has time to do a short. So, uh yeah. We pooled our resources. We each contributed a story. Uh, the artist on one of the stories, actually, uh, Casey Parsons, turned out to be brilliant as well. So uh, Shane Heron, uh, Ricky Lima, myself, and Casey Parsons sort of became the center of this uh, Toronto-based collective. And uh, I, I don't know how to describe it other than we're a collective we're a circle of equals with sort of an extended circle that sort of formed around us. Uh, and yeah, every issue we either contribute uh, something to a story or we go off and uh, recruit others. And yeah, sometimes it's, it's challenging 
because uh, we try not to be a hierarchy. We're a co-op, I guess, is a best, the best way to describe it in terms of we, we crowdfund, we get the comics, and then we sort of divide it amongst ourselves, uh, the copies. And then there's a big uh, pile of copies, you know, that gets left over for uh, uh, future Kickstarters and, and future sort of uh, group shows and things like that that goes back into the pot. So it's been a fascinating ride. And a lot of people in the beginning were, were kind of saying, uh, you guys are going to end up hating each other. Like we've seen how these collectives work, but the exact opposite sort of happened in, in terms of uh, us working out a lot of, the process of us working out a lot of issues has actually brought us all closer together. So uh, uh, yeah, for me, uh, the product is beautiful. It's magazine size. We had a vision of a high quality uh, uh, glossy format magazine. Like we grew up with there's heavy metal magazine and Epic illustrated. And of course, you know, Savage sword, creepy, eerie. We love these sort of, and as a kid, you got a hold of this stuff a little too young. Uh, for the adult content. So uh, yeah, just uh, that was sort of the the way we started and people saw our vision, wanted to be a part of it. And it's just uh, grown from there. Who'd, who'd have thought four issues later, uh, we're, we're still chugging along and, and uh, yeah, curatorially, it's wonderful because uh, yeah, we, we have the pick of a large, diverse community of voices that uh, that have something to say and feel creatively uh, fulfilled by having something that won't restrict them. Essentially, we're we're saying uh, do whatever you want within this supernatural horror context and have the freedom to just express yourself and and let the art shine as well the art really is the the star of this so uh yeah it sounds like a hippie drum circle sometimes but oddly enough it it works it's it's shocking but but really it's you with a whip whipping artist like draw faster (laughs) draw faster yeah, I could I could see uh, Sam at the studio just yeah. <laughs> just uh, you know standing over people. Why haven't I gotten my artwork yet? This is not a hierarchy, <laughs> but draw faster. <laughs> I I wish most of them were at the studio. There'd be a little more uh, con, you know control that way. But uh, they're off in the community, especially during COVID. Like at least we get together during conventions, like the app. Like this is how it all starts, right? You're you're in the bar after conventions just talking you know and it's like why don't they make things like heavy metal anymore or wouldn't it be great to do something like beautiful european hardcover large format you know albums of comics and and uh yeah we all of us have been contributing to local anthologies just sort of to develop our skills and of course we're all very opinionated in terms of uh, oh if i were running an anthology i would do it this way and now, you know, I have a lot more sympathy for the folks uh, that were running those anthologies. It's easier said than done. For for sure. I, uh, I'm i a part of, a, like I said, an anthology right now. And I know the guy who's putting it together. And he, I think uh, he has like, it's a pretty big anthology. I want to say it's like 32 creative, creative teams. Oh, like wow. not just I people. I can't even imagine coordinating like, that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we got our story in. We weren't a headache, but I'm sure there was probably some headaches in there. Um, but one thing, 
Yes, yes, <laughs> lots of drinking for sure. Well, the uh, wonderful thing is in, in Canada, uh, cannabis beverages have just been legalized. So uh, that takes the edge off. I'm, sh- I'm sure it does. You know, when uh, you mentioned Heavy Metal Magazine, and that was literally the first thing I thought of when I opened up Cauldron, like from the um, from the cover to how it was laid out, like the, and the, the kind of the flow of it and the feel of the art and the style of the art, right? It's definitely some some uh, some not suitable for work uh, panels <laughs> and, and pages in there, um, but not distasteful in any way. Like it was very very tasteful, um, and uh, I you know as a, as a horror writer myself, I really kind of appreciated the stories and the direction. Um, so what was it about kind of horror if you will that drew you to this and like why why the, it could have went so many different directions sci-fi or fantasy why why horror um because you uh, know I, i'm i'm you know uh selfishly i work in that that realm as a genre writer so i'm just really curious because i thought it was a really cool concept and uh, you guys executed it really well um well i'd uh... A couple of us are really sort of diehard horror fans, and uh, ironically, uh, one of one of the editors uh, pu- editors slash publishers of the of the four of us actually is very squeamish about the the medium, and and has even stated like, uh, you know what, I this isn't actually something I would seek out myself, but. Uh, you know, co- you know, coordinating and editing and fi- and scouting out artists is very fulfilling for them. So uh, under normal circumstances, circumstances <laughs> you know, Shane, Shane says himself, like I, I sort of, it, I'm too squeamish for this, but on, on the flip side, I, uh, I'm prime for, for years. Uh, I was primarily a uh, children's comics creator. Like most of my content uh, was aimed for uh, kids between the ages of three to eight or tweens. And uh, that was years and years and years. So part of it was I was sort of feeling creatively in a rut and the opportunity to do adult content for adults was just uh, amazing. And uh, yeah, it just, and the other thing is uh, people ask us all the time, uh, what are you guys looking for in cauldron uh, in, in a, in a cauldron like creator or a cauldron story when, when you're curating? Um, Cause you don't do open, you know, calls. It's essentially you go out there and see something that sort of strikes you in, in a creator and you recruit them or, you know, uh, it's someone in the community who, you know, you get along with, you know, their work and, and they're a natural fit. Right. And uh for us, it's always this kind of we, the four of us don't know what is a cauldron thing until we see it. You know, it's, it's kind of an odd thing. And then all of us sort of nod at once when, when we're just throwing out names or pulling up work on, hey, have you heard of this guy? And then they'll pull out the work. And, and uh, yeah, it's this odd kind of thing. If everyone sort of nods, uh, then, then we know we're, we're, yeah, we gotta we gotta ask this guy or this uh, woman or or whomever to to join us. You know, it, it's it's uh, kind of an an odd process, but it's it's just the way we are. We've been operating, and it's fa- and even with uh, Andrew, it was uh, when he came in the studio, and I think uh, your scarabs double page, Andrew. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you showed us that that was it the the gods at yeah, the table. Right. Yeah, it's not like printed or anything. So, but it's uh, yeah, it's like a big. I guess on my website. 
Yeah, it's just a bunch of different gods having dinner. Yeah, I think you had showed me that panel and you had showed Shane and we both sort of turned to each other and nodded. And I think that was even before we started working together. I think that was the first conversation in terms of, hey, uh, we like this. Any mm-hmm. anytime you 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 know wanna wanna pitch something, just just let us know. And and you're providing the back cover uh, for this issue. And yeah, it like I said, it fits right in. It's it's he's got his own style. Uh, uh, he's got a vision, and uh, yeah, the you're multi talented. You're you're you, you you fit right in from the beginning. It's just something that that you know you don't know until you just feel it. Right, you go with your gut. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, and so I, I know you've, you know, this is kind of a great segue for this. You've been using, you, you've you used Kickstarter for, all, you know, has it been three issues of Cauldron or four? Uh, this is the fourth. Yes. Yes. Okay. So four issues of Cauldron and now um, just recently uh, Bally Skillen. Mm-hmm. I mean, which I think, you know, b- both of these are perfect for Kickstarter. So what has it been kind of y- your guys' experience kind of work, you know, on the platform, um, kind of any tips or tricks for anyone out there, kind of what you guys have seen um, just working with Kickstarter. Cause it's something that I do. And I talk to a lot of uh, other writers and creators that work on the platform. It's always nice to kind of share ideas and um, you know, talk through this stuff. Cause you know, it's, it's something that's getting even more and more prevalent, especially with COVID now. Yeah. Pretty time. I, I always say the same thing, but just from my perspective, I always say like do a lot of lead marketing time before it before it launches. Really use that the pre-launch page or whatever it is for sign up for followers. Don't that was a big mistake on the, my very first one I did. We just like press the button. We're like, oh yeah, here we go, you know. But like, yeah. So you gotta really like just do the lead marketing stuff as much as possible. And uh, yeah, besides that. I know, Sam, we've been trying a bunch of different things. Sam's been really diving deep into the analytics and different link stuff to see what's working. So he's really been being the mastermind behind the whole, how the thing's working. Yeah, uh, uh, you won't be able to shut me up once you get me started on this, but uh, sort of the short version is uh, a sort of key turned in my head Uh with the latest two Kickstarters when I kind of realized that Kickstarter is social media. It's a community. So, uh, so many creators come to the platform thinking it's magic. You know, they hear the stories, Oh, so-and-so got went and crowdfunded and got a million dollars, you know, especially, Oh, uh, uh, the oatmeal or this or stick figures or, you know, it's, it's easy, but it, it's not. And uh, you really, really got to work at it. And you actually have to give back as much as you put in. And uh, for me, I, I've sort of uh, got a weird self-loathing. I need to get over about uh, promoting anything I'm involved with. And there's almost like a psychological thing in me in that uh, I have to shut off the fact that I'm promoting myself. And most of the time I'm, I'm, it's like, it's Andrew whose, whose artwork is, is, you know, absolutely brilliant and deserves to be shown. And that's what we're showing most of the time. So I'm able to sort of uh, put my, my, in spite of myself, uh, do that, that kind of uh, self-promotion by, by putting the, the book and my collaborators up there to, to show off what they're doing because it, it deserves to be seen. And the other thing is I've set another rule 
uh, again, it's, 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 you think of the Stan Lee thing and it, it, it kind of in some ways rubs you the wrong way, right? It's, it's just someone who always sort of talks about themselves uh, without, you know, giving proper love to the community or the people around him. Um, you know, I, and again, I, I know that's, that's not the full story, but uh, this is, this is sort of perception out there. Uh, so I, I, I have a rule that basically every time I promote something I'm involved with, I have to at least minimum uh, promote three other things. Uh, normally uh, things that are things my friends do, or even things that are done by people that I don't really know, but are in sort of the, the greater community that I like. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really kind of, and the other rule is when you promote, like you promote yourself and then you'll promote three other people but you don't expect anything back in return. Those folks that you promote don't owe you anything. That's important. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Sam. That's something that, um, and I, I think it's really important. Um, both Andrew said this, and, and then you kind of piggybacked off it a little bit. Is first off, Kickstarter isn't a magic bullet. Like, I don't think it's, you know, you just don't. I've seen a lot of creators kind of fail just thinking, well, I'm just going to throw this up on Kickstarter. And like, it's just, it's, it's gotta be good. Right. Like, cause it's Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really, I really think the, the, the secret sauce, it's really not secret is like what Andrew said, you, you have to bring kind of an audience with you, right? You could grow your audience there. It's a great kind of greenhouse, but if you don't bring the soil into the, into the greenhouse, it's, it's just a, it's just, you don't got, you don't, you won't have any plants. It's just a greenhouse. It's a place with a lot of windows, right? There's just, <laughs> you got, you got no soil. So you gotta, you, you've got to do that hard work first. Um, and I think a lot of creators, especially when you're starting out, you get really worried and, and nervous about that because you don't really have an audience, but you know, I always advocate for starting small and then building up kind of leveling up that way. Um, and then, so I completely agree, agree with you, uh, Andrew, on that front, it's super important and then um, the Kickstarter as social media, almost some of my my best friends in comics I've met or either through Kickstarter or tangent, like, you know, Kickstarter adjacent. And I'm mm. pretty much I'm just always uh, promoting their work and, and trying to help them out as much as I can with nothing in return. Like I just I want to see them succeed because as a community, um, it's not a crab in a bucket mentality like um, I see so many people. Tide raises all ships, right? Uh, that's that's how I view it, right? I, I know there's a lot of people um, who got upset, and I don't know where you guys kind of land on this fence, and we don't even have to get into this conversation. Oh, the berserker question? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I know yeah. I know, I know. know a lot of people were very angry at, at Keanu Reeves, and even before that, I'd even say Scott Snyder to some to some degree. Um, why, you know, why are they on Kickstarter? And my my thought then as it is now is it's bringing people that would ever have been on Kickstarter onto Kickstarter. Absolutely. Their credit card is now in the system and they are a click away. Your project is actually, you know, if, if you do the, uh, do everything right. Algorithmically, your, your project is, you know, potentially on level ground like Mm -hmm. when when berserker pops up like yours could if if the algorithms are are right 
be right there next to it. Mm-hmm. Or when the email goes out for Berserker, yours could be at the bottom of their update, right? It's like essentially you're on the same playing field as Scott Snyder now, if you're a writer, you know, or whatever. So it's pretty, I don't know why that's a bad thing, you know? <laughs> you might I, as well. Yeah, I, I, did a, I did a couple interviews, not for this podcast, but for, for other shows. And one of them, that was like the whole show. And I was like the only oh, really? one on, on team <laughs> like, this is good. I'm like, what are you guys not seeing? Like, yeah. why, would you, why would you not? First off, it's only legitimizing the platform even more. One of the hardest Absolutely. things, of, one of the hardest things about Kickstarter that I've found, um, even like when I go to my local comic shops or just talking in my, in you know, it, at work, they're like, "What is this Kickstarter thing?" A lot of people um, mm. see it as like a GoFundMe, which it's not, right? I'm not asking you for donations. I'm, I'm giving. It is you, not uh, charity. No. Yeah, you're giving yeah, something I'm, back. Yeah, I'm giving you value, right? Um, so by getting these big names it legitimizes it it becomes more um more in you know the mainstream or the zeitgeist of of you know consumerism right it, it becomes uh, another another thing another avenue um for people to to purchase things and the kickstarter isn't a venue for people who can't be published by you know uh i'm, I'm doing finger quotes uh real publishers it is actually as as these big creators come in a direct conduit without three layers of middlemen between the creators and the audience. Yeah, so it's, go on, it's Andrew. Like say, I hope I don't get in trouble here for saying this, <laughs> but yeah, just more like um, it's like almost that mentality, the classic. Like I just look back when I was, I don't know, like '90s comics or whatever. It's like the hardcore, hardcore comics. They're like this is for us. Like don't like we just want to stay in our little thing. Like don't share it. Like this is our own secret little club. And they get mad when it starts going outside that. They're like, no, this can't can't happen. You know. So. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's what it is. I think what what people are afraid of is that Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarter is really coming into its own, and people are finding some success uh, on Kickstarter. And what people are afraid of is that all of the energy is going to get sucked out of the room when these bigger creators come in. But I think, uh, Andrew, uh, what you said, and Sam, you, you, you echoed the same thing. You're now on the same level field playing field, right? Like you're going to, I don't know. Like I can't, you know, send as many books out that I personally self publish as DC can in diamond. Even if I went through diamond, I just, I don't have the funds unless I kickstart. To, and then even then I might not, but on Kickstarter, I'm right there. You know, there's Scott Snyder, there's Andrew Gildy, you know, there's, you know, Keanu Reeves, there's Sam Noir, right? They're, like, how cool is that? Like, mm-hmm. how, how, I mean, I would like to be, you know, right next <laughs> yeah. to Keanu Reeves, like in the same <laughs> sentence or same breath as someone like looking like that's pretty cool to me. And one Ooh. of the other draws for, uh, Andrew and I, in terms of uh, cross promotion, was uh, uh, sort of going outside the comics community. Our mm-hmm. uh, studio mate Marcus introduced us to uh, video game direct uh, his friends who are video game uh, uh, developers, yes. and Andrew reached out to them. There, there are things still on. Actually, the Hit Grab is the the studio. And it's uh, Clan O'Connell is the video game. It's an Irish mythology video game, so it was like perfect, like you know, worked out. But I think they have, they have a couple of days left. They just got funded. But if anyone's interested, go check that out. It looks pretty sweet. 
It's a yeah, yeah. side-scrolling uh, old-school yeah. arcade game, and it's uh, the character design is wonderful. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and that's and that's the, really cool. That's really and, cool too. In the you know in the Kickstarter space too, it's not just comics, right? It's mm-hmm. you know people making video games or board games or mm-hmm. clothes, and it's it's all these things that or, you could cross promote with. Actually, I, uh, Andrew, Andrew and I did we both reach out to the the Irish mythology coin person? Yeah, like I ended up backing it because I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is like this awesome. It's just like a collector's coin with like. It's uh, it's always Irish mythology stuff. It's like the leader of the Fremorians, who's like the undersea guy. He's yeah, Baldur, Baldur, but he's got like this uh, the evil eye. And, like if you look at it, he kills you. Anyway, it's the other like king guy. That's cool. Him. Yeah, he looks badass, <laughs> especially in the coin. But I was like, oh man, I need this because um, it's like right up my alley. But yeah, we reached out to them too, and grabbed it. And you can choose your different color. You can get different finishes. It's like just wacky stuff like that that would never get made like anywhere else you know what i mean like it's like you might make 400 coins i don't know what, what they're gonna but it looks awesome like it looks super amazing so. yeah, yeah creators that's... really need to look beyond the comic space like it's great to create that community but uh, what other commonalities you know the board game community has a lot of sort of crossover potential especially with you know horror or fantasy uh creators why not yeah and i i think uh, uh andrew you said something i think that's really important too is you know Kickstarter is a place where you could create things that could not be created mm-hmm. just by sure economics in the direct market. Like look at, I think it's like curse words from Charles soul, who was like a thousand page book that they would never print normally, <laughs> but yeah. like you're able to do that in Kickstarter. Cause uh, like what, what uh, Sam said, there's not five different middlemen taking their chunk on the yeah. way to the, to the, you know, consumer. And I think oh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's what makes, kickstarter you know really appealing you know to me and a lot of other creators just on like a little tangent i don't know if you saw there was like this like bram stoker's dracula super collectors thing that popped up on kickstarter oh the collector's box it's insane though like the i forget how much like the top price is like it was like 1200 bucks or 1500 bucks but yeah like it's like they send you a literal a suitcase that you open up and they (laughs) they took the whole book because you know it's like laid out like uh you know, all the letters and stuff. So they actually have all these letters and they had like, um, part of us a record, but it was like mind blowingly insane. Like, like you're saying, like no one would ever put this in a store, but like, then you got all these people that are on there, like super hardcore Dracula fans. They're like buying it up like crazy. But... Passion yeah. project, right? What's your <laughs> yeah. passion? That'll, that'll come across. If you're passionate yeah. about something, likely there's others that are passionate as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. All right, guys, um, before we get out of here, where can uh, you, you know, where can people find you uh, on social media? Where can they get your work? Uh, just where can we, where can uh, people, you know, get in touch with you guys? Yeah, for me, well, you can go to, we both on, it's ballyskillin.com if anyone wants to check that out. It's B-A-L-L-Y-S-K-I-L-L-E-N. Or you can just go to andrewdorland.com. There's a link on there. And then on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. I'm at Drew Dorland. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I'm Sam? On, I'm on uh, Facebook as Sam Noir's Toys and Comics. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and theoretically Instagram as uh, at Hey Sam Noir. And uh, folks, uh, uh, just as of uh, today, you can go uh, pre order Bally Skillen at raid.com. 
world. So that's R-A-I-D, the name of the studio, dot world. And check out the work of our other amazingly talented uh, studio mates as well. And actually, uh, we're working on uh, porting uh, Ballyskillen over to Indiegogo in demand as well. So hopefully that'll be uh, up in the, in the next few days. That's awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for being here with me. And uh, I can't wait to check out what you guys got uh, coming up in the future. Thanks, man. Thank you, Andrew.